I welcome you to All Music Sunday. All Music, great tradition of uh, Scotch Presbyterianism with a bagpipes and a little bit different than you're used to hearing in second service a bit. We're going to enjoy the bagpipes just a little bit more and some other music as we um, come today and, and letting God speak to us through the music, lots of different kinds of music, choirs and bands and pipes. Um, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. you pray with me? Lord, as the bagpipe strains die away, we know your love for us never dies away. In the sound of music, in the deep, sublime, ineffable, you often speak to us. Come, be with us in this place today. As we listen, as we rejoice in your presence and song, we give thanks. Bring us back to the heart of worship, gracious God, and let us worship you in spirit and in truth. When the music fades, all is stripped away. And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required you search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart 
to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. King of endless words, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. Every single breath, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Welcome to All Music Sunday. Actually, it's All Music and Mike Sunday. A couple of years ago, we were, we were doing just fine. We were skating along with just music. And the worship commission said to me, hey, you slacker. You need to have a little bit of something in there. So we'll be talking a little bit from now about uh, the nature of the Trinity because it's also Trinity Sunday today as well as All Music Sunday. So we'll be talking a little bit about dolls' houses and fridge friends, but not for very long because we want the music to really sort of be the, the vehicle that leads you uh, to God today. So welcome and... Um, there's a number of things in the bulletin there for you to, to read, to uh, find out about what's going on this summer. Um, for um, upper-class senior highs and young adults, I'll remind you that starting Tuesday, there's a special discussion uh, group called Directions that's going to kick off uh, this first uh, night at the Ryman's uh, home in Villa Park. If you would like to be a part of that, this is the guy over here, Paul, that you need to talk to. Uh, he'd love to have you be a part of that. Also, next Sunday... Da, 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 da. I have to, by the book of order, officially announce to you twice in two succeeding worship services that we are having a congregational meeting, and indeed we are. And so next Sunday, between the services, right between, we will have a short congregational meeting to elect some elders and deacons, have a chance for you to ask questions about what's going on in the life of the church. There's a big... Um, program year report that's been printed. It was in your mailboxes last week. If you didn't pick it up, it's still there now. If you're visiting with us and would like to know what's going on at Yorkfield besides bagpipes and stuff, there is, uh, they're out there also in the Welcome Center. You can grab them out there as well. And then on June 20th, a week from Saturday, it's the YF Car Wash. 
And um, so just, there's no point in getting your car washed between now and then. Just let it be. Come, they'll be out here. You'll recognize them. There'll be hoses, lots of kids with sunburn and needing money to help fund their way on their work trip this summer. It's an ancient Yorkfield tradition. Probably we're washing buggies here before, I'm guessing, before cars. So um, so bring your horse. They could do that. They could, all right. So anyway, right out here in front, just come and um, uh, car wash next week. And if it should rain, which never happens lately, um, it'll be the next Saturday, June the 27th. Same thing right out here between 9 to something like that. 9 and 2. There you go. That's when it'll be. And uh, then also remember there's a theater hike coming up. You might want to sign up for that. Run for Hunger. We'd love to have you be a volunteer. There's a place in your bulletin tab to sign up for that. And then Vacation Bible School, August 3rd through 6th, um, right here. We'll take over the entire building as um, it does. Some folks have already started signing up for that already. Uh, if you want, and we've noticed that we have a lot of kids who want to start learning the Vacation Bible School songs even before they get here. So uh, Angie's uh, helped that happen. There's a whole bunch of CDs out here at the Welcome Center. You can Pick one up today and for your family. You can start learning those great Crocodile Dock songs for this year's VBS. You'll see in your bulletin that you are going to hear from our Iowa work trip people. Well, we're going to do that next week when we have a little bit more time. They're going to have a video for you, lots of stuff. You'll hear from the Iowegians next week. They'll all be looking like uh, Kim over there wearing their blue work trip shirts. So you'll recognize them next week. All right. Children of the congregation, would you come forward for our special music Sunday lesson today. This work? Ooh. I didn't have a mic in the first service, now it's too loud in the second. <laughs> all right. Good morning. It's nice to see all of you. Okay. I was going to ask you, um, there's a song that you learn early on that helps you with the alphabet. What is that song called? Do you know? The ABCs, right. Right. And as I said, you learn that to do what? To know, know all the letters, right? Know them in the order, right? Okay. Well, there's a song that we learn when we're pretty young as well that tries to teach us or it's, it's helping us understand about... Um, God sending Jesus to us and how much he loves us. Do you know what song that might be? What is it, Everett? Yes. Okay, there's that one. That's good. I was thinking of another one, though, that starts earlier. has love, love in it, too, though. You're right. Somebody loves me. Who loves me? Jesus loves me. Do you guys remember learning that? Okay, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I found out that it was actually a woman that wrote it as a poem first in the 1800s. And she and her sister lost their parents when they were young. They had both died, and they were left with no money. They were in a really bad situation. But they loved God so much that they kept their faith, and God helped take care of them. And then as they got older, they started teaching Sunday school to um, young cadets at West Point. And then they started becoming authors and writing books. And they had written a book about a boy who is sick. And in the, po in the book, they write a poem, Jesus Loves Me, to try to encourage the young child. And then a few years later, a, a man heard of the poem and turned it into a song. So this is um, one way that we have to keep singing about Jesus loving us. And I also understand that a lot of missionaries teach this song when they first go to other countries 
because it's something that they want everybody to know. So a lot of songs that we sing are songs to help us learn more about Jesus and God and the Bible. And the song that the band's going to sing next is actually from Isaiah. Because a lot of the um, words in the Bible are written almost like poetry and can be turned into songs. So when we're singing hymns or praise songs, often we're actually singing words from the Bible. So it not only helps us learn the Bible and understand it, but it helps us draw closer to God. And so we can understand more about his love for us. So it's okay to sing really loud and strong to show how much you love God and you share. And you guys do that in assembly, right, with Mr. Lawrence and Mrs. Bogeman playing each week. Some of you have learned chimes and bells with Mrs. Syringa and, and um, Mrs. Luther. So there's a lot of different ways, and you've seen people playing different instruments. So just remember that that's a gift from God to us, to have music, so that we can learn more about him and feel closer to him, too. Okay, let's bow our heads. Dear God, we thank you so much for music, and we thank you for uh, that it's a way for us to learn more about your word through the Bible and to draw closer to you. We thank you for the many gifts that you've given so many of us, whether it is to be able to play an instrument, to sing, or to even just appreciate and hear uh, the different words that come through and the, the power that it has, the, the lingering songs that we leave throughout the day, that we hear them in our head and that it goes into our hearts and that we can continue to praise you. We thank you so much for this music in our lives and most importantly for your love to us and that we can share this with others too. And all God's people say, Amen. Thanks guys.
one of our choir members say in between the services that the reason that he sings in the choir is that every once in a while, actually not all the time, but just every once in a while, he feels like he gets, a, as he's singing and he hears all of the other parts around him, he says, I get just a glimpse of, of God, a glimpse of eternity. He said that, and I sing for that, for those little glimpses. Um, music can do that for us, can it, in, in amazing ways. Whatever your, the genre of music that you have, whether you love Mozart and Chopin, or um, maybe you're into rap and hip-hop, or the blues, um, serious rock and roll. Um, music has a way of taking us to special places, to the ineffable, to the sublime. A while back, some 25 or 6 centuries ago, the prophet Isaiah was serving in the sanctuary of the temple, and he was taken to one of those places. He doesn't tell us if it was in the midst of the choir singing, but he had a vision. And this is the vision that he had. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And the seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me.
Isaiah heard the Lord say, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, in his letter to the Romans in the 8th chapter, in these few verses that I'm going to read on page 158 there in the New Testament in your Bibles, Paul talks about the triune God also on this Trinity Sunday, mentioning all three of the members of the Godhead in this little passage, talking about God and our relationship to God in a very different way than Isaiah. He says, All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it's that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. Now when Isaiah writes, he says that it was in the year that King Uzziah died in Israel. That was not a good year. It's never a good year when the king of Israel dies. It was a bad year. It was a year when they bombed Pearl Harbor. It was the year that Kennedy was shot. It was the year in which 9-11 happened. It was the year when the housing bubble broke and the recession happened and the jobless numbers went to 10% in June of 2009. It was a bad year. Now, it wasn't a good year for Isaiah. You can imagine what his life was like. He worked, we know, as a priest in the temple, in the sanctuary there. And um, when the king of Israel dies, things are uncertain. What will happen to the nation, to its stability, to its economy? Even though he had a job to do there in the temple, he was probably a little worried about his portfolio. How is it going to go for Isaiah? Well, were his uh, children and grandchildren going to be taken care of? Of course, that was a while in the future yet because he was still worrying. Would he now have enough money to marry that cute little girl from Gilgal? It was a bad year because the king Uzziah died. But it says that Isaiah was in the temple that day and something happened. He had a vision of the great and holy transcendent God, of God on the throne with these six-winged seraphim that are flying around singing, holy, holy, holy. And all of these folks bowing around the throne. And, and as happens in that situation, he immediately felt in the midst of, of the glory of God his own unworthiness. And he says, woe am I, a man of unclean lips. And, and everybody I know also, we're unworthy. And Isaiah's life changes at that moment. And his whole relationship to everything changes. It's as if at that point, everything he'd been doing in the temple had been about playing with dolls, like a dollhouse temple. I mean, he, he probably was, you know, in the beginning, certainly he was serving the Lord, but you know how those things go after a while. Will there be enough ushers today? Will do the mics work? 
Is there anybody there to get the offering? You know, is there enough incense and the censers? All of those things. And after a while, it becomes about all of that stuff and not about God. And then he had this vision, and everything changes, and it's all like dollhouses. I wonder how much it is for us in our own lives. We get up in the morning like these little guys. Can you imagine getting up, looking out? Instead of seeing outside the window your, uh, your neighbor in the morning there getting you know, his paper in his bathrobe like he always does, all of a sudden you have the presence of the living God in front of you, outside your window. You think that would change your life a little bit? Something like that happens for Isaiah. It's supposed to happen to us whenever we come to this place. We're supposed to have a sense of that transcendent, awesome, almighty God in our midst. The, uh, well, maybe I should ask you, how often does that happen to you? You have that sense. Okay? Maybe a little bit like our choir member talking about every once in a while. I have that sense. Now, there are some traditions in Christianity where they try and remind us of that awesomeness of God, that transcendent God. Um, when you come to a, a, a Protestant church, you, you'll, you'll see a cross of some sort, usually in the sanctuary, um, or a Catholic church, certainly a cross, in that case with Jesus on the cross, usually Jesus off the cross in Protestant sanctuaries. But some image of the cross somewhere. Here we have a Celtic cross that you see coming in and and going out. Now, there are a few sanctuaries today where they've decided, the newer ones, to not do that because we don't want to burden people with that somehow. But if you're from the Eastern Orthodox tradition or the uh, Russian Orthodox tradition, they have a whole other kind of sanctuary. Have you been in any of those? They, they have a... Often if the, if the ceiling goes up into a, you know, to a, to a central place they'll have something very much like this. This image of Christ, always wearing almost always a blue robe for, for royalty, and underneath a, a red tunic symbolizing the blood that was shed for Christ. And I don't know if you can read that around there. This is, sitting, this is straight up in the ceiling of, a, of an Orthodox church. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, who is coming. And then there's the, Jesus Christos, the Alpha and Omega. This is the way it is. Imagine, though, if you come, instead of seeing a cross and, and this sort of nave like this, you came in and that picture was in the wall uh, in front of you when you came. Again, this, this image of Christ, Jesus Christos, the one who comes as Pantocrator. Have you heard that word before? If you're Orthodox, you would know that. It means ruler of all. Pantocrator. Ruler of all. In the Orthodox tradition, they want you, when you come in the sanctuary, to just have that sense that you are in the presence of the ruler of all. And, and, and you'll notice that they're not smiling Jesuses in any of these places. Here are some more from different places in Europe. Different mosaics of the Pantocrator on the back wall. This is the face that you would, you would see. 
These are serious, stern rulers of all. That's the face. It's it's that sense that, that Isaiah has when he is in the temple, that he is in the presence of the Lord of all, of everything. And this is not to be taken casually. It's not to be messed with. This is serious business. Now, Isaiah would say then that once you've experienced that God as Pantocrator, everything up until then seems like you've been playing with dolls. And it's a whole new thing with God now. So that's one side of the picture. But then there's this whole other side. There's the transcendent God, but then there's also the intimate God that, that, that Paul alludes to when he talks uh, to the church at Rome in the second passage that we read today. This sense where God, remember, Jesus says to his disciples, no longer do I call you slaves, I call you friends. And then here, Paul says, and oh, by the way, the Spirit speaking in you is able to call God the great Pantocrator, not only God, but, but Father. And not just Father, this, this Abba Father, this sense of Papa, this Daddy in Greek, to call him Daddy. And, then, and what's more is we say that because we ourselves have become his children through Christ. We are grafted in. We're stepchildren. We're heirs, Paul says, with Christ. There's this same kind of intimacy that, that God the Father has with the Son we're supposed to have with God the Father. It's a, dear, it's a serious kind of intimacy. It's amazing. Have you guys heard of uh, fridge friends? Do you have fridge friends? I just came across this phrase not too long ago. A fridge friend, let me explain this to you. A fridge friend is that person that will come over to your house and immediately go look in your refrigerator and that's quite a friend. That's somebody right there. That's a level of intimacy, right? They'll look in your refrigerator, and then if you, if, if you don't have what they want, they'll yell at you. Right? That's a level of intimacy. You might have some siblings like that or whatever. How many of you have friends like that? Yeah, a couple. How many of you are those people? Uh-huh. All right, Connor. Well, you know, in case, you know, there are some classic fridge friends from the last couple of decades and uh, they had a TV show. We're going to show you about a minute and a half of them, and you'll go like, oh, yeah. Okay, so this is a fridge friend. We're going to put them up for you right, right here. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I'm borrowing all your Tupperware. Oh? <laughs> Why? Well, I closed my account at the blood bank. <laughs> what? It, it's here. It's in the building. Right across the hall. Well, you want to go see No, it? I don't. <laughs> in fact, if even one corpuscle of that blood should find its way across that hall, I will freak out on you, Kramer. Freak out. You know, for a fat guy, you're not very jolly. Hey, working out? You know it, and I ditched all my junk food. What the heck is going on here? Sorry, buddy, clean house. It's all health food. Well, I may have to take it, but I don't have to like it. Vivian left me a message. I guess a certain someone changed her mind about whether someone was responsible enough to watch a certain other someone. 
Is this about me? No. Well, then I've lost interest. Vivian, hi, it's Elaine. Yeah, I'm over at Jerry's. I got your message. What? Yeah, he's right here. Hold, hold on. For me? Go. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah, tonight? Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, later. Well, somebody's babysitting. You? I'm more responsible than you are. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go fill my freezer with my own blood. There you go. If you caught that there. You know, notice whenever you watch Seinfeld, they're just always coming into Jerry's apartment. Nobody knocks. I mean, they just, like, blow in. And you notice Kramer is the classic fridge friend. He was getting all of Jerry's Tupperware. He didn't really ask him, only after Jerry showed up. He goes, well, I'm taking your Tupperware and I'm putting my own blood in it because for some reason he doesn't trust the blood blank. Well, that's a whole other thing. And then notice he's taking all of Jerry's veggies out of the, of the fridge to his apartment for himself, even though he doesn't even like veggies. And he yelled at him for that. Uh, that's the classic Kramer, classic, classic fridge friend. Now... We just talked about this God who's transcendent and other. And yet there is a sense in which this same God is calling you to be a fridge friend at a really deep and intimate level. If you read the Psalms, for instance, and, and most of those are, are, are to be written by, or said to be written by David, you know, King David. And if you read those, you get both sides of this. You get this, or you, you get this sense on one hand where he's where he's yelling. Praise, I praise the great and holy, awesome and almighty God. And then at another moment, he's like complaining to God. And then he's giving thanks to God. And then at another moment, you know, he is yelling at God. Why am I sick? Why are my enemies surround me? He's giving God a hard time. David has that level of intimacy with God that he can do that. And if you, look, if you read the Psalms, you never get a sense that God is mad at David for that. He really encourages him to have that kind of relationship. Go ahead. Complain. Go ahead. Yell. That's part of what it means to be a fridge friend, to be intimate, to be close. Wow. Can you imagine that? That the Trinity... Are your fridge friends? Here's the challenge for us as Christians in our understanding of God. How do we hold those two things together? At the same time, to be fridge friends, the triune God, the panto crater, also fridge friends? The Trinity, there's this incredible tension that we are supposed to, that we are asked, in fact, to hold together as faithful Christians. We usually err on one side or the other where we, we put God so high and lofty over here that he really doesn't have anything to do with our lives. He just kind of, he's there, way up there, and kind of set the thing in motion, and we just ignore, we just go, like, he's, he's way out there. Or sometimes we err clear over on the other side and we, and we, I don't know why I've made you guys this, but, and, but that's the way it is. Okay. We air away on this other side where we sort of turn Jesus into our little buddy. You know, buddy Jesus. Da, 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 da. But there is this real sense where we're asked to try and hold these two together, that, 
that incredible tension of a, of a transcendent God and, and this imminent God, the God who takes flesh and dwells among us, who wants that kind of relationship with us. That's the Trinity. A Trinity that, that we, as you heard Paul say in Romans, that we are being asked to be a part of in eternity. That we will be with the Trinity in heaven in this intimate relationship, co-heirs with Christ. Isn't that amazing? As we sing more today, as we reflect on who this triune God is, as we worship God in song, Try and hold in your hearts those two parts together. This God who is awesome and powerful and beyond anything we can imagine. And this other God. This other aspect of God. Who wants to have this intimate, profound, deep relationship with each of us. Amen. Of water, earth, and sky. Heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy. Holy. Declares your majesty. You are holy, holy, Lord of heaven and earth. Lord of heaven and earth. Early in the morning.
Will you lift our prayers to that great and holy God of wonders? And shortly we'll be singing of, of God's great grace to us. Let me share these uh, concerns and joys with you. Um, Tim Robbins has asked that we remember um, a couple of dear friends of his and their families. Uh, Brian Kemp uh, died this past Friday. He asked for prayers for Brian's uh, two children and wife and for Ian Graham uh, facing treatment for liver cancer. Also, um, we want to remember John Brown, who's battling uh, bone cancer. He was just diagnosed this last week. For Ted Schomburg, Jr., suffering um, with kidney stones. In fact, we have a whole litany of staff and staff-related folks here um, to pray for. Um, it's not good with staff. Be careful, Debbie, for the next few weeks. What's that song? Elvis is dead. I'm not feeling too good myself. Um, Beth Freeze Dammers, we prayed for her last week. Uh, Beth was being treated for the flu. It turns out that no wonder she wasn't getting well because she had pneumonia. And so once they figured that out, she had a very uh, bizarre form of viral pneumonia. She's now, after spending a couple days in the hospital this week, is now home, doing much better. Um, but will be, she was due to be on vacation this next week. She's going to be recovering, uh, hopefully convalescing over the next couple of days. And then her daughter graduates. There's a recital in a giant open house. So hopefully she won't relapse uh, after that. So remember her in your prayers. Kristen Sterling, um, our office assistant, had an extensive uh, emergency heart surgery, we told you, two weeks ago. She had another procedure uh, this week because she had fluid on her lungs. Uh, finally, it looks like she's turned the corner, and they're hoping she'll be home by the middle of the week, but will be probably convalescing for a couple of months. So... Um, over the next couple of months, fortunately, um, if you come in the middle of the day or you call on the phone, the voice that you'll get to hear, that pleasant voice, will be Becca Hughes, who's filling in for us very graciously. And then also, uh, before Becca and Kristen, there was a Jenny Reichardt, and Jenny just called to let us know that her parents were in a serious car accident and um, this past week, and we want to pray for her family uh, as they recover. And then... Uh, besides celebrating the joys of all of the music that we've had today, um, also at the first service, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Ralph and Kay Lawrence. So if you see those two around um, the next days, be sure and congratulate them on uh, hanging in there for these 50 years and God's grace to allow them to do that. Let's pray together. Lord, you are almighty, ineffable, and sublime. You love us more than we deserve. To catch a glimpse of you is to recognize our own unworthiness, our own imperfections, and yet you love us anyway. Love us so much to send your Son to live and die on our behalf that we might come back back into relationship with you, our holy God. Lord, as we come back, we are thankful that you take us. We are thankful that you watch over us always. We pray in thanksgiving for Ralph and Kay's long-standing commitment and 
that witness that that is to us. And we pray for all of these who, whose bodies are broken, whose hearts are broken, who are grieving, who wonder what the next day will bring in their health and in their lives. We pray that they not wonder at all about your love for them, about your presence living eternally with them in life and in death. We call upon you to console and to make well, to heal and to make whole. But beyond our families and community, our loved ones and friends, we pray for this world. We remember that it said that the music really is not so much in the notes, but in the space between the notes. And so for a moment or two now, we cease to speak and let you speak in the space of this silence to us. Lord, help us to listen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know all of our concerns, even before they're on our tongue. We know that you've heard our prayers today. But we have one more prayer that we share with you. The prayer that Jesus taught his disciples and so us on earth. And we sing that prayer to you this morning.
our last song together today. Hey! 
You go from this place now. Go. May the song of God be in your hearts. Hang on to that transcendent, imminent God. Know that that God, His love and grace and fellowship are with you now and always. Amen.